Good morning. Welcome, you guys. Welcome, everyone, online, wherever you're joining us from. Um, special welcome to our friends in Malawi and special uh, to uh, our, our little uh, house churches like in California. Uh, wherever you guys are watching from, uh, I'm glad that you're here. I want to talk today about justice. Justice. And um, if I can maybe start, I think the problem with justice and the subject is um, we tend to not care until something affects us. So how many here have ever just gotten ripped off or a raw deal and it just burned, it just burned you, right? Now here's the thing. We t- that kind of stuff happens all the time, but if it doesn't happen to you, Sarah, Sarah, right? Live and let live. Don't worry about it until all of a sudden something affects you or your family member. And uh, then all of a sudden our eyes sort of get focused when it comes to talking about justice. Um, let me start with a little hokey example. Uh, you have a child. You send your child to school. Uh, your child in school is put in a... In a um, Seating chart, remember this when you went to school, and it was done by last name alphabet. All right, do they still do these kinds of things? Do they? No, okay. I have a teacher over there saying no, they do not. Okay, but when I was in school, it was like okay, A, B, C. So, and uh, I was a C, so you know, somewhere near the front of the class, that kind of thing. And uh, so, in this scenario, you're a Z, your last name is Zoolander, right? And your child is placed all the way in the back of the classroom. Now, in this particular classroom, the teacher has a sort of a voice where he can't talk very loud, and so you can't hear past the third row. And the time comes for the test, and you are, you are told it's time to take the test, and, and your, your child who sits... Little Zoolander in the back, right? Uh, Zoe Zoolander in the back row, way back. Uh, couldn't hear the whole semester, but is required to take the test as if she sat in the front row. Um, at some point, am I, am I guessing correctly, one of you parents would probably make a phone call. How many moms help me out? Please connect with me like I'm doing something decent up here. Like, would you, would you call? Would, you no, know, some of you wouldn't do anything. You would just go, well, that's the breaks. How many would just say, well, tough luck, kid. You're a Zoolander. Okay. How many would say, you know, I'll make a call. I'm going to send an email. Okay, thank God. Some of you are participating. I'm staying on this side today. Forget you guys. Speaking of, I'm not talking to you, right? Which is Zoolanders over there. Yeah, you would call and you would say, you would say, look, look, this is not fair, right, just, equal. All I'm asking for, what am I asking for? I just want little Zoe Zoolander, right, to get a chance like everyone else. I just want it to be fair. I just want it to be just. So justice is down inside of us. Look, look, look. It's deep in us. And truth be told, if they told you, no, that's too bad, she's Zoe Zoolander, that's where she sits, that's what she gets, you would get, then what? really angry. Am I close? It's deep in us. It's deep. 
say, no, that's, that's not right. That's not fair. Just because her name is Zoe Zoolander. Yeah, we picked Zoe, but Zoolander came. That was given, right? She had no choice. It's not fair. You can't do that to someone. So it's deep inside of us. And they could say, well, you know, we've been seating that pe- people that way for years. It's not until what? It affects you that these issues like, uh, of, of fairness start to focus us. Um, I think I've, I've mentioned before that there's a room on my house that is falling off the house. Very slowly, like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, just centimeter by centimeter every year, it's just falling off the house. And if you want to call, measure it or put a level on it, you would see very clearly, if you put a marble on it, it would just roll right to the outside. Uh, there was no foundation put underneath this, just some sort of a little thing there on the ground. And so it's just sinking. It's just falling off the house. Permit me. Uh, can I take this to an extreme level? You have a house, and your whole house is that way. It tilts from the front to the back, right? But it's not centimeter by centimeter. It's feet off, right? Your house literally goes like this. And uh, what you decided to do was to have the, the children in your house, you have seven of them, and you, you decided to have the first ones born towards the top of the house, right? And then they go at descending order. The, 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 the later ones are all the way down. And so the older children live at the top of the house. And the slanting house that you live in, right, the youngest ones live at the very, very bottom. Now, just d- does this ever happen in your house? Do people ever leave things laying around? They do. Oh, interesting. Okay. Okay. Uh, does anyone ever leave things laying around that are disgusting? Why, why, are you, why can't you clean that up? Why is this, you know, and, um, and at one point in your slanted house, your oldest son learns, I can eat chicken wings in my bedroom, right? I can set the bones on the floor of the hallway. They'll roll all the way down, right, to little sissy's bedroom down in the bottom, I will never have to clean up chicken bone wings again, right? And there's sauce sloshing on the floor and whatever else he just decides to throw on the floor just rolls down to his sister's bedroom. Now, how many of you think this would be fair? No, this isn't fair. You don't let one person live high in the house and let their trash roll down to the neck. That's absolutely ridiculous. You would never do that. What you would, what you would have to do, which just sounds like what I would need to do to fix my house, is you need to, they, they, I had someone come over and look at it. They said, you're going to need to what? Jack it up and then rebuild a foundation. So if I can, justice is the jack. Justice is the thing that you do to prop up the low end of the house and make sure it's level, right, for everyone. Liberty and justice for what? As long as you live at the top end of the house. Liberty and justice for the firstborn. Justice for people with the A last name. No, justice for what? 
Justice jacks up the house. Justice says everyone should have an equal opportunity. Justice levels, if, if you would, the playing field. Um, I'm going to do a very familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm going to do a completely unfamiliar passage. Fair enough? So a little bit of like telling you something that you think you already know and probably didn't, and then something that most of us don't know much about at all. We'll start with the Lord's Prayer. We're going to do a whole series on prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Uh, I know I have to do it in King James because that's how you learned it. I get it, right? Uh, you know Jesus didn't speak King James English, right? Just so that we're clear on that part. All right, so don't freak out, okay? Um, on earth, your will be done on what? On earth as it is in heaven. So first of all, whatever your view of heaven is, which is a whole other subject, do you think they have a slanted house there? I mean, do you think God's idea of his will being done... I mean, by the way, if you had a house like that, first of all, people would say you're a really lousy builder. But second of all, if they watched your older kids roll the trash down to the younger ones, they would say you're an abusive parent. Is this right? They say for no other reasons, even if it wasn't for architecture, just don't be, just jack up the house. Make it fair. So how do you think God's house is? This or what? How many vote this? Huh? What if you're American? Aren't you supposed to be? Aren't we better than everyone else? Or you think God's house is what? On earth as it is in heaven. So the kingdom, which was the main subject uh, of Jesus, the thing he talked about more than anything else was the kingdom of God. Matthew used the phrase the kingdom of heaven. We've talked about this. If you're an orchard grover, this is so old to you. You're sick of me talking about it. But Matthew used the phrase kingdom of heaven because it was a heavily Jewish audience, heavily Jewish scripture, and they didn't use the name God out of reverence. So they substituted for heaven. But, listen, this is important, it has hijacked the message of Jesus. So much so that people for years have thought the main thing that Jesus talked about and therefore the main thing that church should be about, the pastor should be about, Sunday should be about, the main thing should be about, quote, heaven or vacating this earth or getting a pass. Thus the St. Peter jokes at the pearly gates. That's the main thing. And people for years have been saying, this is what it's all about. It's about getting out of heaven or getting out of earth and getting to heaven. And no, the prayer was, your will be done on what? As it is in... The prayer is, jack up the house. I mean, you can use that phrase if you want to. Lord, please jack up the house. Ready? Ready? What if you don't like your youngest kid? See, you're laughing. I was a little uncomfortable. I like it. Because, like, that's not really fair to say that, and that's not, no, we don't do that. And any real, real, real parent of any substance would say, of course, that's ridiculous. They all frustrated me from time to time, hour by hour. (laughs) But there's no way in the world 
that I would build a slanted house. Listen, I would never do that. Here's our problem, ready? Problem is we've been okay with a slanted house because we don't believe they're all God's children. That could be our only reason. We've somehow put some people in a category that says, I I don't know, that's just what they're going to get. Everything else would scream. Every parent would rail. Every parent would email and phone call and, and get riled up and say, there's no way the house must be what? Level. It has to be. The Lord's Prayer goes on to say, give us this day our daily what? Bread. How many here prayed for bread today? None of you are doing it right. I'm kidding. Why aren't we praying for bread today? Because none of you are worried about bread, are you? In fact, we, are we handing out bread right there at the front door of Orchard Grove? I mean, the bread in our culture, in our day, is a non-issue. Now, there are some extreme I get it. We're a part of it. We, hospitality house, local things that we do. We, if it's an issue, trust me. But by and large, let's just be truthful, it's not an issue. How many of you are praying that you eat a little less bread today? Isn't that funny? Honestly, we are so far from that problem that most of us are praying like, God, help me not eat bread today. Please, God, no more carbs. Just cut out my desire for the carbs. And if you're praying for bread, here's what you did, like me. I pray that when I go to Great Harvest that they have Dakota seed, my only kind of bread that I like. How lame is this, my prayer? In other words, our prayers are nothing like theirs, but why would they pray for bread? Evidently because it was a big deal. Could you imagine? Could you imagine getting up in the morning and praying for bread? Dear God, have we come a long way? We, we, we do we have classes, we have seminars, we have books. You pay hundreds of dollars to try to not eat so much bread. So first thing I need to say is this. The world that Jesus lived in, the world that he taught in, was completely different than the world that you and I live in. Can we start there? Can we say amen or not or act like you're awake? Okay, so first of all, it's completely different. Let me digress for a minute and tell you a little bit about that world. First of all, in that world, it was pre-democracy. Democracy. Unknown idea back then. The idea that you can walk up to a, a booth somewhere place a a vote and say, I don't like this person. I don't think he's treating me well or our country well or this well. She's out. He's out. He's in. She's in. That's my vote. That is a very new idea in the span of human history. Now, if you grew up with it, it's like a lot of things that you grow up with, you just assume, which is why it's dangerous. But we'll, we'll talk about that another day. Um, huge deal, pre-democracy. So back in those days, people in power just, what? Stayed in power. If you were in power, you just stayed in power. 
Anyone else that dissented, you just killed them. Very simple way of handling things. That's how the world worked. The other thing is it was economically, right, exploiting. In other words, in other words, it was a slanted house. And here is how most people made their money. You had very few landowners, very few landowners. Most of the people were peasants. So not only politically was it ruled by like 1%, but this is important. Ready? Every single year, listen very carefully to this. Every single year, 85, 90% of the production of the wealth from the land went to 5 to 10% of the people. When Jesus taught this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, there's two kind of specific things. When, when the prayer gets specific, it's give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our what? Debtors. Depends if you're Catholic or Lutheran, if you pray the sins or the debtors, right? But you know, in Matthew's gospel, this is the word, debt. Bread and debt, bread and debt. What happened if you struggled because of taxation, which you had no vote over? You didn't say, well, I'll vote for the other guy about the other tax system. There was no vote. You struggled because of taxation. And then they eventually, a couple of things, you got into debt. They could A, cut off your hand. B, eventually roll you into indentured servitude. In other words, make you a for all practical purposes, property. And debt would compound on top of people and compound. And therefore, Jesus uses two lightning rod words, bread and debt. Things that people thought about every single day. Like you and I think about traffic and politics, right? Pilates and I don't know, what, what do you think? I don't know what you people think about. This is what they thought about, debt and bread. Debt and bread. And Jesus came to establish the kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was saying it's time to level the house. Not level it, level it. The, how many you know, <laughs> if you're the oldest brother, though, after all, it gets nice up there, letting your chicken bones roll down to the other end. After all, it's not bad being the top dog. The great story of Scripture, the Exodus, the children of Israel were what? Enslaved. They were what? at the low end of the house. If I could be more gross, it was the sludge and the sewage that ran down to their end that they lived in. And at the sweat of their backs, they, this is where they lived. You see, the thing that people have missed 
for years and years and years about Jesus is they made him into, they put him into the camp of this religious person who's just trying to get you to heaven by saying certain things. And I can't tell you how different Jesus actually was from that. Jesus was the ultimate revolutionary who came out with this jack and guess what? Lost his life because... People didn't like it when the sewage didn't run away from them. If you were in power and Jesus was over here jacking up the house, now all of a sudden this is a little bit different. Why did Jesus die? Because people don't like you jacking up the house. Why did Dr. King die? Because people don't like you jacking up the house. Because people who have the power want to, what? Hold on to the power. And the children of Israel were down here, and God pulled them out. Pulls them out of slavery. Pulls them out of Egypt. And, and establishes them as a people. He says, I'm going to give you some land. This is a huge metaphor that, that runs throughout all of Scripture. He pulls them out of slavery, out of the low end, and then he's going to give them their own. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Listen, listen. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful when you get your bedroom at the other end of the house. Right? That you don't start rolling the chicken bones down to the other end. Gross paraphrase of Deuteronomy 8, but it's in there. When you become wealthy, I can quote it a little more precisely, when you become wealthy, and you will say to yourself, it is by my hands and my power. Now, everybody look here, a two-minute lesson. Ready? Did you make yourself who you are? The answer has to be yes and no. It can't be yes only, and it can't be no. The answer has to be yes and no. You got yourself out of bed, hopefully. You got yourself to class. You got yourself to your job. How many, you did these things. You have to decide to do that. It's yes, I made myself. And it's also what? Oh, no, I didn't. You can get yourself out of bed any day of the week, a lot earlier than you do now, and live in a third world country today and be nowhere near where you are. You got born at the right end of the house, my friend. The prophets were so unpopular, just like this message is. I mean, I could do ones about, oh, God's going to make your life so great and just pray and all these things. And you guys will come up, oh, Chris, that's the best. These ones no one wants to hear. No one wants to hear you're at the high end of the house and someone needs to help jack it up. Because you can't smell it. Are you with me? You can't smell the problem. All you're thinking is like, could I remodel this, get the ceiling? I'd like the vaulted ceiling. Are these the things we're talking about? I love you guys. Are these the things we're talking about? I want a vaulted ceiling. And the other end of the house is wallowing in sewage. Amos. Some scripture we don't talk about much. Why? Because we don't like these type of things. 
So Moses tries to warn him. He says, when you go into that promised land, don't get, don't get, as my, grand, my grandparents would say, don't get too big for your britches. Anybody? Don't forget where you came from. How many know these phrases? Good phrases. This is what Deuteronomy 8 was about. You're going to say, it was my hands. I created this wealth for me. And he's like, no, you didn't. You were born at the right end of the house. And don't look down on the foreigner. Read it. Deuteronomy 8. Don't look down on the outsider. Ready? That's what you were. That was you. That was your grandma. Slave Egypt. Once you have the power, don't forget what it was like to be at that end of the house. Justice is always trying to jack up the other end of the house. Here's a very... Now, if you, if you have an unpopular job like a prophet, what do prophets do? Uh, they kind of have to challenge the, the status quo. They have to sort of challenge what's in power, right? So, like, I'm a pastor, so I try to, like, encourage you and pull, oh, it's okay, you'll be okay, like at Band-Aids and stuff, you know what I mean? And I got little dinosaur ones for some of you that are really pouty, and put them on there, and like, it's only okay. So I'm a pastor, right? Prophets, what they do is they go, ah, oh, no. Nah, man. It's disgusting. It's disgusting that you've never even looked at that end of the house. That's the prophet. But Amos was a smart prophet. So here's what Amos did. He starts out, you should read it sometime. But he starts out his prophecy, and here's how he gets, he gets everybody going. He's like, you know, those Buckeyes, they're horrible. That Urban Meyer. Right, and they got the signs. And you get everybody riled up. Yeah, I can't believe it. Right? And then he talk about how bad Canada is and how sucky Illinois is and Indiana. And you talk about, and this is, read it. It's right there. It's, it's genius. Amos goes in the round and he talks about all the faults of the neighbors. And everybody's on board like, yeah, Amos, let them have it. And he circles right back around. He does it just like this, like in a circle. Everybody around Israel, by then they were split into north and south. He was from the south and he traveled to the north, which made him even more unpopular. Another story. But he zooms around all the neighbors. He's like, Damascus, you know, all these guys there. And everybody's like, yeah, they're so horrible. And then he goes, and you Israelites. Us? And then the whole thing. I mean, he just lays into boom, boom, boom. And here's the word. Ready? He says, hear this, you cows of Bashan. Now, he was referring to women, not in a today's derogatory way. It was actually would have been a compliment to start cows of Bashan. It was a wealthy area, so they had these nice plump cows there, right? And he was laying into, the, he, he was going after the women, and he said, listen, you cows of Bashan, on Mount Samaria, you women who oppress the poor and crush the needy, and say to your husbands, bring us some more drinks. <laughs> who says things like this? He goes on to say, in chapter 5, fallen is Israel. Now, Israel was dealing 
with this idea that they were better or more important than everyone, that they were God's favorite, God's chosen. By the way, I had a national organization contact me a while back because they were like, we need someone to help with the poverty in Palestine. And we can't find any evangelical churches to do it because they believe Palestinians are bad and they don't need help. God's for Israel. God's against Palestine. Huh? Literally. They said, Chris, could you, could you get involved in this? Literally, we can't do it with any evangelical churches in America. I go, what? He goes, yeah, they believe, like, Israel's right no matter what. I go, what? Have they ever read Amos? Well, no, they don't read that part of the Bible. Oh. Amos clearly says, you're no better than anyone else. It's, it's black and white. Yeah, I brought you out of slavery. I brought you out of Egypt. Not so you could look down on everyone else. I just jacked up the house so you could be what? The same. Are you with me? We're all the what? We're all the same. We're all the same. And if someone else is treating someone else in poverty and bad, you, th- then that's not right. You jack up the house. Seek good, not evil. There, it's as plain as that. Hate evil, love good. That you may live. And he says, maintain justice in the courts. He says, you deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Why? By taking bribes. This will jack up your house. Huh? If you're poor and you can't pay your way, I mean, I won't pick on Malawi because we got, well, Detroit, Michigan, we got tons of corruption. But Bright, will, he, will, he will testify. You just, you just, if you need something, you just bribe your way. This is, what, this is how systems like that work in Malawi. I mean, I'm, we have problems here, the same. I just pay. So then if you're already down there in poverty and you can't afford to pay the bribes to get through the system, what is it? The system just continues to eat you. And the house just keeps tilting. Some of you, you, your whole life, your last name's been Allie Alexander. So you don't know what I'm talking about. You're like, I don't even know what you're talking about, Chris. Everything's good to me. Everybody's happy. Because you're Allie Alexander, front and center. And thank God. Just get on your knees and thank God. But don't act like I don't know what I'm talking about. The world is tilted. We, if we are sincere followers of Jesus, got to stop just trying to get to heaven. Please, come down here. I'll say a prayer with you. I'll put juice on you. I'll put water, whatever you need to believe you're going. Let's just settle that. Are you with me? And let's bring heaven to earth. Please, let's go back to Jesus. Let's go back to listening to him, perhaps even following him. Following him when he's not popular. I'm getting all my, I'm, I'm, I'm all in Amos yesterday. I'm, I'm all in there. I'm reorganizing my message as I do on Saturdays a lot. I'm going through all these things. I'm throwing things out. Oh, they're not going to pay attention to that. They'll never listen to that. And I'm, I'm organizing the whole thing. And I'm sitting there, and I've OD'd on football by this time in the day. And so I start rolling through the channels. And I roll onto a, a, a show called Secret Lives of the Super Rich. 
And it's, it's all kinds of insanity beyond insanity, as you could imagine. Of course, they focus on the extreme. But they take you to a place in Hollywood where they sell a milkshake for $500. And evidently, at the top, they sprinkle, they literally put gold flakes. Gold, like you eat, do you eat gold? I guess it's edible at some point. How, how digestible, how delicious. Is gold either digestible or delicious? If any of you have eaten it, why do you eat gold? You eat gold so you can show your friends at the restaurant, this is my $500 milkshake. And sort of Amos, Amos gets into their furniture, their couches, their wine. He gets into their business, man. Not Amos's business. Perhaps. By the way, you know, scholars are unsure, but I lean towards it, and it seems that Amos was probably wealthy himself. The problem is not the wealth. That's not the problem. The problem is the system. And it's going to take wealthy people to help jack up the system. It's going to take poor people to help jack up the system. It's going to take middle class people. Are you with me? Amos, in fact, prided himself on saying, I'm just a what? I'm just a shepherd. I'm not a prophet. He was claiming the outsider, you know, like when guys always want to get elected to Washington, they always go, I'm not from Washington. Same deal. I'm not a prophet. I'm just here to tell you some things that are going to sound a lot like a prophet. Because by that time, prophets had become like a profession and sort of lost some street cred. Oftentimes I do funerals for people because there's a lot of people there that I don't know and I have a suit and a tie on and I start talking about Jesus. They just, you know, you can just see it. People are like, oh, here comes the Jesus thing. And so I always say, look, this is what I say at funerals. Look, this isn't the family business. My dad was a truck driver. I'm not here giving you the company line. I'm telling you what I believe in my heart. And I happen to be wearing a suit and holding a Bible for the sake of the funeral. Amos was like, this isn't my gig. I'm not doing this for a gig. From Tekoa, he was probably wealthy, probably owned a lot of sheep and land. Took a lot of courage to be Amos. He had a lot to lose. And if you read the whole story, he got confronted and got told to leave, as prophets are. You know, could you take that message somewhere else? Here at Orchard Grove, you have to leave. Because I'm staying. And some of you have. And I don't want you to. I want you to listen. I want you to process. I want you to ask yourself, what was the main message of Jesus? What was it really? Really? Not what have I heard about over 100 years in Sunday school and this upbringing and that, but what did Jesus really actually talk about? And if it was his kingdom on this earth. In chapter 6, he goes, listen, as I think this is an important word. Oh my goodness, I am so over time. I got like eight pages to give you. See, I spent too much time working on this. 6 verse 1. 
Woe to you who are complacent in Zion, who feel secure. That's kind of what we want. We feel secure, don't we? But we don't know when to be complacent. Security and complacency can go together. And I started this whole talk by saying this. You won't care about justice until you've needed to care. And I think what, and I, I, you said, Chris, I haven't even brought up any specific issues in America. I just ran out of time. Maybe I'll give it another Sunday. Maybe we'll come back and visit this. Um, I'm actually working with a guy who, who's become a friend of mine. He marched with Dr. King, and I'm going to bring him here. But friends, there are issues today. I'll just say that. There are. I'm going to be working with our congressman to try to, to try to get a bill through that just helps women get equality in third world countries so they can get equal access to tools so they can have their farms like everyone else. There's, but there's just stuff that we just don't know about. Are you with me? And, and, there, and there, there's, there's dozens of them, hundreds of them. But here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the thing that we just got to believe. We got to believe this. A, the house should always be level. We should fight for justice for others. We should care about that for others. And B, ready? We should all take a walk once in a while. Even if it's downhill. Get out. See how other people live. Find out what other races deal with. Find out what other social economic uh, things happen. Find out what's going on in the world. And listen to people's stories and care about those stories. Why was Jesus telling story after story after story and making a hero out of the neighbors, out of the Samaritans, out of the bad people, out of the sledge? Because he took a walk. Do you know when they would walk in those days? They would go around Samaria. They walked around that. You ever hear someone say, don't go in that neighborhood. Jesus goes, I have to go through Samaria. I must needs go through Samaria, if you have one certain translation. I have to go there. I have to listen. I have to to this woman at the well and listen to her story. How could I ever help if I don't even know? Last thing is you have to believe that every bedroom, every bedroom represents a child of God. 